Our text this morning comes from the, uh, the second reading in Colossians 2. Um, just, just the first two verses I think we'll look at. It says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about uh, what it would be like to, to run into the smartest person in the world. Sometimes I'm convinced when I look in the mirror, that's got to be it. But sometime or other that gets sorted out. Uh, but I was thinking if, if you were to meet that person, would it be the richest person in the world or the most respected person in the world or, or maybe, you know, as things go these days, maybe the healthiest or the happiest? Uh, I think instinctively we know that's not quite right because we've seen smart people on TV and listened to them and it seems like the really smart people always seem a bit <laughs> broken and miserable with problems. Uh, I don't know whether it's the, the genius that they have in one department just kind of makes them dopey in the other one, I don't know. But uh, it's a complicated thing. <clears throat> these, these Colossian folks, uh, they, they had a lot of smart people around them, or people at least that they thought were smart, that used to be in their own minds smart, and they're all around them, and their whole purpose in life is to take them away from their saving faith, which Paul is trying to protect them from. <clears throat> so, as you know, they had pagans all around. Colossa was a, a very pagan place with a lot of temples around, and very important people uh, advocating for that. And these pagans, they claimed to know what the gods wanted in any particular moment. You know, they had this great pantheon of gods all over the place. Uh, and if you compare that to Christianity, uh, anybody that claims to know what God is thinking is a pretty way off the mark, just already starting. and. So, you know, if somebody absolutely thinks they know who, what the pantheon of gods wants, that might be interesting or smart sounding. So, that, Plus, that's where they used to be. They all used to be pagans. Plus, they had there's their philosophers. The Greeks were pretty well known for their philosophers who understood life, supposedly. And they sounded so, so smart. You have people like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. They all belong to the Greek world which this is. <clears throat> Funny thing though, those guys are all dead. So I don't know how smart they are on that. And then there were these Jews who wanted them uh, to, to perform a little bit. Uh, you know, they, they told them if they wanted to be Christians, then they had to become Jews first and trust what Moses said. That means circumcision and all that stuff. Uh, those guys probably made more sense than anyone else because they had the same God in theory. Uh, they were following Jesus in theory. They were from Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where Jesus was and where all the other apostles were. And, uh, you know, it just seems reasonable that those guys would know stuff. 
but the whole thing was very confusing because Paul was pointing him in a very different direction. Well, <clears throat> you live in this world still. Uh, lots of Christians are getting pretty distracted with um, circumstances that have developed in the world that are starting to seem okay than when they didn't used to be. So um, people are getting to be okay with uh, same-sex marriages because, you know, smart people said we kind of have to. And um, uh, you can have more than two genders apparently. And, you know, even though we know in our own minds that that's sort of silly, we sort of put up with it uh, just to keep the peace. Uh, might not like abortions in general, but uh, you know, abortion sometimes doesn't seem horribly unreasonable. Uh, this one really bugs me though, uh, teaching sex ed to kindergartners, which is really strange. Um, anybody here uh, tried to do new math with their kids or their grandkids? I mean, you understand that that's supposed to be Proper. Of course, we've been saying new math for 40 years, but you know we should have caught up by now. Uh, evolution seems like it almost has to be true in some kind of way to a lot of people, and there's science is done by consensus instead of by actually knowing stuff. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about? It's a whole list of things where very smart people are what we used to think were smart people. Uh, we used to trust them, and now it's getting to be difficult, but that doesn't mean they're not smart. So we suffer with this a little bit. And even if all of that stuff that all these smart people said was true, you got to ask the real question is, who would that save from death? Uh, you know, we even think in our own minds that we can slow that down. Uh, but uh, uh, God says no. Jesus says you can't extend your life even one minute. So that's not even really true. But how is earthly wisdom supposed to be sorted out? Because it's out there. There's a lot of smart people and you know some of them. Uh, something must be good. Seems like something should be good in all of that mess. God gave us a brain after all. So how are we supposed to stay healthy or happy or avoid poverty or protect our kids? Uh, and all those other things that we're supposed to do in this life, if there's no smarts anywhere, then how are we going to sort that out? I, I uh, was watching TV last night for a little while, and uh, there was this ad that kept coming up for this, this uh, telephone app called Life360. I don't know if you've seen that thing, but it's supposed to help parents organize their lives better with their kids so there's less stress involved and you feel smarter and you, and you get your kids and uh, uh, please. I wanted to reach through the TV and slap somebody, but it, I, I didn't even have anything to throw. But you know, even if, even if all that were possible, which just seems positively strange, it isn't possible, it would save no one from sin or death if it were true. Uh, so what are you supposed to believe? What actually matters? How are you supposed to hang on? Where does your sinfulness end and your faith begin? It's all really, really difficult. And it's difficult because we live in this world. So 
those seem to be uh, two ways to see yourselves. The consensus of human thinking, uh, you know, like the world does every day with its apparent certainties, or that Christ is truth certain and he is your salvation and he is the only solution to all the problems. Because, you know, it doesn't seem like uh, believing Jesus solves all your problems. It really kind of doesn't, but it is the one that has hope attached. The, the first way is human. Uh, and it's like Lois, we were saying in Bible class uh, a little earlier, uh, it's human and therefore sinful and flawed. Uh, that's one thing you can know for certain. Um, even if you had a perfect diet, it doesn't save anybody. The right medicine, the right science, the surest wisdom for uh, living, for money, for happiness. If you, if you had all of those answers in perfection, you still wouldn't save anybody. The one person has a solution for death, uh, a path to eternal life which is supposed to be yours from the beginning. I, I don't know if you were paying attention, but if Adam hadn't sinned, he'd still be here. Uh, and we're, human beings are not supposed to die. We're supposed to live forever. That's the way it's actually supposed to be from the beginning. That's the way God made us. But now, because of sin, there's no escape from death. Uh, everybody has error and hurt and mourning. That's life. And only God who created everything and uh, therefore knows everything, <laughs> uh, can do everything and can save anybody. And here Paul tells you what that salvation is. Uh, and you know what that salvation is. You received Christ. He doesn't say that Christ is your salvation outright. He says that you actually got that. You believed it. You sit here believing it. Christ is your salvation. You received him. And, and uh, this is your salvation from all things human and worldly. He made wisdom, made it himself. There would be no wisdom except for God. Recorded all you needed to know to live forever right there in the Bible that you have, probably several of in your house even now. And he brought you salvation in the breaking of his body. That's what Paul brings up here. Breaking of his body of flesh. And in that he defeated death. Not only his, but yours. He woke up, he walked out of the tomb, and he gave you that eternity. To bring you, beloved, into the presence of God for eternal life. No one knows all of his wisdom. We have a, a part of it because he gave it to us. He revealed it to us. And we have that Bible to do that. But we cannot know all his wisdom or hold his power or even his incredible love for you. We at best get a piece of that. We experience receiving it. But he died for you. To rescue you. To save you from every condemnation and from the penalties of sin and death. He took those things from you and suffered them himself. What philosopher, what smart person, 
what earthly wisdom, regardless of whatever the claims might be, has done any of those things for you. You know when your salvation was fully given to you. You know. You know right where to point your finger and say, right then it happened. You were baptized. So in the water and in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, you were baptized. And Paul says here that in that you died with Christ and you were buried with him, which means that you're no longer under the condemnation of the law anymore because dead people don't have to obey anything. I know that sounds weird, but that's kind of the truth if you think about it. You no longer have to die either because you were raised with him. He got up from his tomb. And in that baptism that you have received, Paul says you were raised with him. So the life that you have now is Christ, alive, forgiven, free. And, and Paul says this is God's triumph in you. <clears throat> I, um, I always get a little nervous when, uh, when people start talking about circumcision. I, you know, it's one of those things that guys don't like to talk about. Uh, fortunately, I don't remember it because, you know, you'd like to skip that. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Uh, <clears throat> but Paul says you are all circumcised in your whole body of flesh with Christ. Now, I mean, there's a little bit of metaphor going on there, but it's true enough. And, and he says... Basically, when, when Christ goes to the cross, that is his circumcision, that is his baptism, that's what Jesus even calls it. And so all these things, they happened with you as well. Uh, God is doing this circumcision without hands, which is, is probably good because that's a lot less physical and a lot less nerve-wracking. But God does the thing. And in this circumcision, you have your salvation. You have been joined with the covenant of faith like Abraham was when circumcision was first introduced. He was told that when the child was circumcised on the eighth day, then he was uh, welcomed into the covenant of faith. Not the covenant of the law of Moses, but the covenant of faith, which is just a total gift of God. Abraham's faith is just like yours. The Holy Spirit does it and it is totally a gift. And this circumcision without hands that you have in Christ kills you and raises you and makes you eternal like you're supposed to be in that covenant of faith. These things are your gift. These things are in Christ. These things are nowhere else to be found. And in those things you can be certain. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.